Um, so I'm going to share my screen uh, before I share my screen. So I was a little nervous this morning and decided to do some errands with uh, my favorite uh, lounge pants. So these are my favorite uh, straight out of the 90s uh, lounge pants. And uh, you should see all the, the dirty looks I got at the, at the Safeway. Uh, There's a lot of people going like, you know, and just people just staring. And uh, so anyway, you guys know I'm a psychologist, so I like doing my own experiments sometimes. And so not, not a single person liked my pants. And I'm sure you guys don't either. So back to the uh, sharing the screen. Um, I wanted to sort of uh, head in the direction of, again, I, I want to thank brother, uh, brothers, uh, uh, Jimmy, Jerry, Howard, and Asolia for, one, for putting up with my humor, but two, um, for trusting uh, someone like myself who isn't, I am seminary trained in counseling psychology, but not uh, in terms of uh, theology. And so I, I don't take for granted that you guys have invited me uh, throughout this past COVID season. And so I, I would do my best each time to not, one, dishonor God, but to honor your church uh, appropriately. So, uh, and uh, Brother Howard was right. So there was a word that was sort of uh, crossed out when I did the title. And many of us, uh, as we will discover during our time together the next half hour or so, uh, we do judge others, and that, and we can't help but judge others, and, and I'll explain why in a minute. So my hope is that we will find ourselves in a position of contriteness before God, myself included, and then hopefully uh, you probably have heard this passage in a million and one different ways, but I, I wanted to offer just a slightly different vantage point uh, so that we can be more loving to other people. So uh, let me pray. I, I, I'm a little heavy-hearted because my, my oldest sister... Um, I might be taking her to the ER after this. And so if you guys could pray for uh, my sister, Susan, uh, she has a heart arrhythmia and hasn't, her heart hasn't been beating normally for about uh, 48 hours. So if you could pray for uh, her as well as myself and my wife, uh, my wife and I hate hospitals. So that's the other thing, but that's, that's not really relevant. Um, so Lord, thank you for uh, this time. I'm grateful for um, Soli's and Johnny's uh, wonderful worship. We know our, our voices when peer have been granted from you, Father, and we thank you by, by singing back to you uh, willingly and, and lovingly because you've taken care of us. So I pray for my sister Susan. I pray that you would calm her heart uh, literally and uh, uh, figuratively, and uh, and also for all those that are hurting in the congregation. Sister Cindy, I pray that we would we would sell all of the egg tart and be able to support um, uh, her, her business again and also her well-being. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I won't be the judge of you. Okay, uh, one of the interesting things about this passage is uh, I can't say how many times it's been preached on in youth group and Sunday school, and so I, I don't pretend I have anything like profoundly new to offer to the passage. But I, I, I do have some wrinkles to offer you very humbly as as your brother in Christ. Just a friendly reminder: uh, this is Fourth Home's annual guiding verse. Uh, from Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in, in real life, our ligaments help us do stuff like dunk a basketball on four other people. Uh, that's proof that ligaments work. And when they do tear, uh, people crumble just like uh, Chris Weber here on the ground, and they're not able to walk or to jump uh, the same ever again. So just to give you a real life example of what, what that looks like when the church works together wonderfully uh, to come together for the kingdom and to be there for other people. 
Uh, so two things I understand with sermons, and I know you you will discover I, I sound kind of the same in a lot of my, my sermons, but um, the two things I understand, what was God intending to tell the original hearers, the audience of his word? And then what is the most godly and appropriate way to translate and apply that original message in our times? We have to understand um, uh, what the original stuff said to us, uh, to the people that God intended to hear originally, and then try with our humble best to understand um, what our, our application is on, on this end. Okay. Uh, so just reading through the passage again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, I do this example with my patients at the hospital. I'll, I'll unshare for a second here. Um, I use the example of a hamburger. If you've, if you've had uh, a McDonald's hamburger in the last 10 years, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty grotesque. It's mostly bun and like this thin layer of meat followed by an even bigger bun at the bottom. And so if we can see the top part of the bun as the past and the bottom part of the bun as the, f- the future, then it leaves so little meat in terms of the current. And I find that many of my patients at the hospital really struggle with, well, that past thing happened to me, or I really need to make sure my, you know, my son Johnny or my son Jeremy gets to college. I need to make sure my my daughter Solia gets to go to grad school. And so there's very much a, a very tough spot to be in when you can't focus on the current and, and the, the present and you're so focused either on the past or the, the future. And it's like that McDonald's, uh, not the quarter pounder with cheese, mind you, but just the regular hamburger. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen again. And so, um, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. And I think most people will focus on this part, right, this first part of the passage. But I, I want us as very intelligent people on this call, we already have enough trouble every day. Okay, So uh, just alone today, um, my wife and I were here with you guys virtually. We can't wait to see you guys in person. We don't know how many hours we may or may not be at the hospital and then whatever holds tonight, whether it's me cooking or my wife cooking, but there's plenty of things this current day to worry about. And so what we find oftentimes in uh, counseling terms is that we'd rather focus on the future because it diminishes the amount of focus we need to worry about today. So just a, a reminder that if we catch ourselves thinking about Thursday or next weekend's fireworks festival or you know something in, in mid-July, uh, that we still have today to, to be concerned about and we're not to distract ourselves from, from today. Okay, and then going into Matthew 7, uh, and so there will be various different flavors of how this gets presented in pop culture and also in church, but we'll, we'll get through this together. Do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And if it sounds very much like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, probably in, 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 a, in a similar vein, Okay, and then going on further, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Okay. Um, I said last time I think I was here, there, there's three different types of tears, right? There's, there's the tears from crying. There's the tears from getting poked in the eye or having something happen to the eye. And then there's a third type of tear that gets produced when there's just too much like gross eye gunk, right? So, so those brown and black and gross things that you pick out in the morning, um, those are the third type of, of sort of tearing the eye does. And so when we when we talk about a speck of sawdust, what, what they're talking about here is literally like that eye gunk and maybe like a thousandth, a thousandth of it. So one 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 thousandth of that size of whatever uh, junk falls out of your eye in the morning, that's, that's what the speck is. 
and then pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And then in verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? And then going on further, uh, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your from your brother's eye. Okay, I think this was uh, this picture was taken from a Korean drama Emily and I watched last summer. Um, so in my words, you or I need to surgically remove the plank out of our own eye socket just so that we can clear, clearly see enough to remove the speck from theirs. Sorry, I'll correct my own spelling. Um, from theirs. So we literally and figuratively need to have uh, um, eye surgery to remove that, that thing out of our own eyes just so that we could have the possibility of seeing um, uh, what's happening in the other person's eye. We get to the right spelling eventually. All right, so in, in ending the passage, it's an interesting turn uh, that Jesus takes. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Uh, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And uh, I, I have not had a pig in my life. I've had a pet duck, uh, but I've also had dogs. And so one thing to keep in mind, if you're not familiar with what Jesus is trying to get at with this part, with this particular verse um, dogs are not to be fed chocolate, and why? Even though it's yummy to them, uh, they are unable to metabolize its contents fully. So guess what? If you can't metabolize the food, then it comes rocketing out the other way. And so they were not dogs. Essentially, were not meant to have our food. Um, and with pigs, they're associated with wallowing in mud. Okay, not a, not every pig looks as pretty as this one, all done up with with uh, pearls. And so why do do pigs wallow in the mud? There's a real uh, necessary basis for that is to keep them cooler for much longer. So you'll see uh, pigs basically covered in mud and uh, it, it helps them actually sustain some level of, of self-cooling. So this, this passage for me, and I hope for this congregation, uh, will center around the term judge. Okay. Now, the briefly stopping the, the sharing, um, the judging, the, the judges we know in our lives. Okay, so there's, uh, any number of TV shows on daytime television, Judge Judy, the Judge so-and-so, right? Uh, there's even a judge on uh, a major news network show, right? So um, so that's, that's one example of a judge. But when we use the verb judge, positive connotation or negative connotation congregation? If I, if I judge uh, Johnny and Asolia singing, do I, you know, is it really sort of like positive or it tends to be negative, right? which I'm not saying in this case, but I'm saying most time when we look at the verb judging, it's oftentimes looked like, Hey, don't look at me, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I did my best. Why are you, why are you looking at me badly? Right. Um, and yet I'll, I'll offer a third one, right? If I were to say congregation, you're only going to eat one type of cereal for the next two weeks. And it's in a blue box uh, with yellow, with white lettering. Anyone want to take a guess as to what that is? <laughs> Johnny's saying frosted flakes. Yes. So I'm sentencing you to diabetes and frosted flakes for the next two weeks, right? And so we make judgment calls regardless. Our, our brain is constantly trying to make sense of, of things that are safe for us, right? So just because, you know, uh, Brother Jerry's restaurant serves tofu soup, it doesn't mean it's as healthy as, let's say, Brother Jimmy's tofu soup. And then Beatrice might throw in there, you know, the budejige, which is the, you know, army soup with all the cool stuff in it, right? Um, so we make proper judgments on food and other things, on groceries, on uh, basically like things like my pants that I wore today. Um, people make judgment calls all the time. 
And so I want to be careful as a congregation about how we use the term judgment, because if you're in your car, which most of us will be today or tomorrow, we have to execute good judgment in the car. Otherwise, we'd be in accidents more often. Okay, so, so is there such a thing as proper judgment? Um, I would argue that before I say yes or no, it is negatively affected by a lot of useless and irrelevant information. Okay, uh, I'm a huge NBA fan, as I think Brother Howard is or Brother Jimmy. Um, but if you look on NBA Twitter, it's just like the cesspool of really not relevant information. And it really detracts from the gameplay, you know, the, the playoffs. There's also suboptimal modeling by parents, ouch, sorry, parents and other adults, ouch, me, right? So suboptimal modeling of, of good, uh, being uh, properly loving to other people. Uh, three, it's often guided by pure and raw emotions, okay? Um, if I am in pure anger, I don't have the ability to self-regulate in the moment and to be nice to people. And that's just common for all of us, okay? And as a result, we, we also have fear logical consequences for poor judgment and behavior. Okay. As someone that worked in the county jails for five plus years or four plus years, um, you know, you'd see the, some of the same people come in over and over and over and over again for the same charges. Okay. And then when we think about ourselves, what is our contribution? Uh, mine, mine as well. Uh, there's a thoughtlessness in our judging. Okay. Um, just like the people were judging me and my, my choice of pants today. Oftentimes we're just doing this finger wagging at people when, when we, we are honestly like just as guilty of it ourselves. And then frankly, lazy thinking, um, it, it's, if you can think about those who are younger than uh, 25 in the room, uh, what, I, what I call binary thinking is either something good or bad, uh, either cheer for the Warriors or no one else, um, either the Giants or the A's, or, you know, it's often left to two very simple decisions. And as a result, we don't have the ability to sit back and, and think about multiple things at once. Uh, not anymore, but I'm saying when we, when we do school stuff, surely we are. We're thinking about multiple things, but oftentimes, if you believe in the commercials and pop culture, we, we literally have two options to think about all at all times, and that's simply not not okay. And so, Will Rogers was quoted as saying, "Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment." Okay, um, I'm not where I am today without um, you know. There, there's a church I've been preaching at for 12 years in the valley, and uh, you know. You should have heard some of my first sermons. I very much stumbled over my words. Uh, there was one youth camp that I spoke at, which uh, don't bother inviting me to a youth camp because I, I, I probably won't camp very well, but I was sneezing the entire week. And so I couldn't really get out any words for an entire week. And it was probably a colossal waste of time back in 2008. Uh, but again, good judgment comes from experience. And a lot of that comes from bad judgment. Okay. So here's some biblical and spiritual truth. Uh, uh, Johnny and Asolia sang it earlier. We we need God. I need God to make it through the rest of the sermon. Um, I need God to make it help my sister make it through the rest of uh, today safely. And so we are promised a hard life. Uh, and and oftentimes I will, you know, I will gripe and complain about how hard my job is supporting people through COVID. And yet when we look at Genesis one through four or one through three, we are promised a hard life, uh, thanks to Adam and Eve. On the other hand, we're promised a secure and awesome post-life uh, per revelation. So we, we get this bookend of truth where we're guaranteed to labor. Uh, those uh, I, I heard, you know, Brother Jerry sharing earlier and how difficult of a struggle he's going through, as is many of us, right? And yet we're guaranteed an awesome post-life. And so in the meantime, we tend to judge others and things regardless of how hard we work or don't work on it. 
So some of this comes automatically, which is so, somewhat dangerous for us. Uh, the, and my, my logic is that the executive part of the brain is always trying to figure out things. And so uh, when it comes to bad memories, the brain automatically, because of, of what has happened to us in the past, is always trying to make meaning of it by linking uh, stuff together, as well as the good stuff, right? If you've ever had a, a really decent uh, dish of food, you're automatically comparing it to that past dish of food that you had at some other restaurant. Okay? And so specifically in Matthew 7, uh, when we judge others, here, here's some basic truth for us to sort of difficulty swallow. We often will be judged even harsher in terms of severity and frequency. Okay? So what, we're, what Jesus was implying with, uh, with the speck versus the, this, the plank is that's oftentimes what it looks like is I'm pointing out the small thing that uh, Sarah's doing or that um, Asoli is doing when I myself might have blinders to that fact that uh, I'm a judgmental jerk or I'm a, I'm a, you know, a bad uh, husband or I, I'm not a great counselor, that sort of thing. And so if we understand just the gravity of that dynamic, I'm pointing out the one small thing uh, that, that Brother Johnny did in his key change when I can't even sing anymore, right? That, that we're talking about the magnitude of, of how bad our judgment tends to be sometimes. And the other thing is that people are more sensitive. Uh, this is something something that uh, us older folks can kind of say because we have a few years on you guys. But people are more sensitive now and don't want to be thought of badly, which is myself included. Okay. Um, and here's the issue. If I keep on pointing out the things that, that everyone else is doing, it further reinforces uh, our blindness to our own stuff. Again, so the 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 visual is that there's a plank in my eye. And so therefore I'm watching you out of my, my other good eye, noticing that one thing that you're doing, as opposed to like, I have this large thing sticking out of my eye socket. Okay. And most, most importantly, and I'll just sort of highlight this and put a little underline here. Um, it, it, it detracts us from Jesus's greatest commandment, which is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. And so all of this thing around judgment, around whether I'm a good speaker or I work as hard as Brother Jimmy, uh, it all detracts from the greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself and love God uh, wholeheartedly. Okay. And, and so I want to give you a different vantage point too: the easy thing versus the hard thing. So in this quote, the happiest people I know are evaluating and improving themselves. The unhappy people are usually evaluating and judging others. One of the more humbling things to do is, is let's say after a sermon, I will ask uh, the church leadership, you know, how did it go? Did I, do you feel like I, I uh, did enough or was it appropriate? Most people will just skip on to the next thing. And one of the more tragic things that my wife encountered was um, we happened to hear a pastor where he said this one sermon or one message uh, at a graduation. And then when we heard him speak at, at our church about nine months later, exact same sermon. So not a single word was was changed, right? And here's the problem is that first message was for school of graduates. On the other hand, the second message, which was the same, was for a church that was struggling. And so just, again, this is my sharing. It might be my judgment, and I have to work it out with God on this stuff. But again, each sermon is a chance for, for all of us, myself included, to hear God and to be affected by him and to be changed by God. So if I'm going to say the same thing here as I do, like at the church in Pleasanton or at the other conference I'm speaking at, I really do feel personally, and this is just Gary's opinion, that I'm dishonoring God. And so the easier thing to do in this case is to look at what, other, what others are doing 
And yes, I was making a judgment call. How could you repeat the same sermon uh, six months apart in two different settings and turn the gaze outward towards him? But again, I'm guilty of that, that plank in my eye going, well, what are you going to do about it, Brother Gary? And so the hardest thing to do by far is to look at, look at our own experience and what we're bringing to the table and therefore looking at ourselves inwardly. And so that's sort of my pledge to you guys. Uh, you'll never hear the same sermon from me, I hope, in this lifetime. I, I hope. Um, and so here's my interesting proposal to this passage. Okay, So in the red, Jesus tells us to hold off on judging others. Um, and so the way others have interpreted that and, and spoke about this passage is, hey, guys, don't judge me. All right. Sort of protecting myself. Don't judge me for my clothing choices. Don't judge me by how I look or how bald I am. Like, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right. Or, or uh, you know, as someone that's listened to a lot of music over the years, only God can judge me. And I think someone actually put that on their album or their record album one time. Um, only God can judge me. The one thing I want to point out with only God can judge me. All right. This is sort of nitpicky at this point, but I think I've earned the right to talk about it. If I say only God can judge me, congregation, what do you think that really means? Okay. What do you think that really means in terms of accountability about other people confronting me on my own stuff or keeping or holding me accountable for my behavior? If I say only God can judge me, I think it's a bit of dangerous thinking. Uh, and, it's, and it's mainly because I've closed my ears off to what Tommy wants to tell me or Jeremy or Anne or Leah or Beatrice or, you know, Howard. The moment I close my ears off, right, and you try say if, if anyone's ever tried singing while closing their ears, everyone doesn't like their voice because it makes it sound like you're sort of like Mickey Mouse, right? And so um, so that here's my point of I close off my ears and have no, no more ability to listen to people. Uh, it does distort literally and, and figuratively how we see things, okay? So um, I want us to be careful again, if, and, and I've used that term, by the way, when I was younger, only God can judge me. And uh, I'm no longer dating that person. So guess, guess what? So that, that's, that's an example of where, where we really mess up, uh, where I've really messed up and, and really skewed this passage in, in an incorrect way. And so back to, the, back to the slide. One thing I want to point out, again, I would call this somewhat dangerous or reckless thinking. If I'm saying you can't judge me, Vesolia, you can't judge me, Brother Jimmy, but only God can judge me. Um, all I can do is that shrug emoji, okay? And so here's the way I think Jesus wanted us believers to see this passage. We don't get to judge others. They will very likely go back after you harder, meaner, quicker, more forcefully, okay? And, uh, you know, as a, as a bigger guy, I played sports, and so the moment that I decide to foul someone on the basketball court, I can't tell you how many times they fouled me three times as hard at the other end, right? And so what I want to point out is that is our human nature. If I, if I foul, um, you know, brother Howard in basketball, he's going to get angry and then take out my, I mean, I don't think he would do this, but he would take out my legs from under me on the other side of the court. Okay. And so Jesus says, don't judge others. I really believe Jesus is telling us we are not allowed to judge others. And if we do, they will very likely come back after me harder. Okay. And Jesus knew we needed much help in this life as we can. And so this goes back to the previous slide. Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, it feels harder to love others genuinely. I would argue if we're facing this dynamic where uh, people always judge us uh, worse than the way we see them, frankly, congregation, it's easier to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God. The love part as, as, as subjective and, uh, you know, different 
people will come in and talk about about God's love. All I'm saying is that if we compare love to judgment, easier to love and more more rewarding to be quite to be quite fair. And so the Beatitudes. So in the prior two uh, uh, two chapters of of content, we hear Jesus talking about salt and light of the earth, about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. Do not murder. Do not do not commit adultery. Do not recklessly divorce. Uh, do not do fulfill your oaths. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Love for your enemies. And then we see this sort of uh, passage passages that talk about doing stuff in private, giving privately to the needy, uh, pray pray properly and fast privately, and then sort of a shift to store up treasures in heaven, and then do not worry for the now. So these are all leading up into, you know, these these by themselves would be congregation of brothers and sisters, worthwhile things to consider. And yet, why are we in this passage today? Because essentially Jesus wanted to close off with um, the judging thing, right? And the judging thing by default, if we think about how things are in order, uh, we know scripture was read to uh, congregants way back when be, to help them understand things. And so if we're talking about judgment, judging others being the tail end of all of this good stuff, I mean, good as in, as in preserving our faith and being behavior that, that God wants of us, then we should pay attention to that because essentially what, what Jesus was asserting was we do this. We do this whether we uh, think we do it in a tiny amount or a huge amount or it's outside of our awareness. And so uh, it's something to pay attention to for us as brothers and sisters. And so we've just sort of, I've inundated you with all this stuff for the past uh, 25 minutes or so. And so is there hope for us or are there any solutions? And so I wanted to keep things very uh, basic for us going into a period where we're going to be back in person uh, starting next week. So back to the passage, we hear two clear instructions from Jesus in uh, verses 33 and 34. We need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And essentially, we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Okay. Let me ask briefly, um, congregation, if we're honest with ourselves, who's worried about tomorrow? For being honest, you know, uh, it's July, June 27th, um, mortgage is due, your car payment is due, some of you. Um, you know, who's signing up for that uh, uh, calculus class in the fall? My, my young folks in the room, you know, when are we planning our last quarter of school, Beatrice? You know, all this sort of stuff, right? So we, many of us are in that boat, it's like, oh my goodness. It's June 27th, Gary. How come you're reminding me of all these, all these terrible things? Again, I'm just merely pricking and pointing out these things that, that we struggle with. We do worry about tomorrow. Okay, uh, I, I am worried about my sister. I am worried about whether she makes it. Um, I'm also concerned about you know your congregation and and uh, the, the the Livermore congregation surviving and thriving. Okay, and yet I've got my wife sitting next to me. I've got my own things I have to do for the next day, and so this is just a gentle reminder. Things will come up that we will worry about. Please be kind to yourself. Uh, you know, we don't want to put the other plank in our eye, and now we'll be blind completely. Okay. Um, so back to the the slide real quick. Um, so two things that that will get us there: um, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and do not worry about tomorrow. Some practical stuff for for the congregation, and and these might be things that uh, if you have struggle with this, please you know pick uh, brother Jerry's and brother Howard's and. Uh, brother Jimmy's and Sister Asolia's brain, uh, give up one big worry to God daily. Okay, uh, for us adults, anyone older than 19, that's going to be finances probably. Okay, uh, you know, will Sister Cindy be able to, you know, 
make it through the next few months? Well, uh, the person that got laid off in the congregation, can we support them and still have enough money to save for my daughter's college stuff? Let's give up one big worry to God daily. Okay? And if that's finances, that's finances. If it is um, your future in school, um, for, for the younger folks, your school life, vastly important to you, okay? On the other hand, set the goal of serving one people group in the church during the rest of 21. Now, the simple thing, guys, is to do, uh, you know, nursery ministry with the kids. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying we. I want you guys to take an, an inventory of your God-given skills. And if that is music ministry, then it's music ministry. If it is, uh, if it is child care, it's child care. But uh, I'd, I'd like to think that we have been in school and at work and it'd be sad if none of those things could apply to the betterment of, of the congregation. So set a goal of serving uh, one people group in the church during the rest of 21. Uh, for me, I, I've, you know, essentially wanted to focus more time on uh, teaching college kids, uh, so, you know, the counseling stuff, because I, that's my best way of influencing uh, the next generation. Um, and then last but not least, when we find ourselves judging someone unfairly, and I do mean unfairly. Okay. So, uh, I even caught myself on this hypocrisy this week, and, and Emily had to remind me. I was berating a, a Prius driver for driving, driving too slow. Congregation, guess what car I drive? I drive a blue Prius. Okay, so so not only do I have these seven planks in my eye, I'm judging on this Prius that's roadblocking the, 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 the left lane and impeding my vantage point past them. And so, again, so this is a perfect example of, of how uh, how little awareness I might even have when I'm struggling through my day. And so again, please, please be kind to Prius drivers. It might be me. Um, but also we have to be aware of those, those hypocrisies that, that sort of are, are right in front of us. They might be right underneath our chins. Okay. Um, and so again, just repeating the, these last three, give up one big worry to God daily. Uh, if you guys want to put it in the chat, you know, maybe one big thing that you could, you could give up to God daily. Uh, for me, it's finances. Uh, for two, set a goal of serving one people group in the church during the rest of this year. And if it's uh, homeless ministry, which is a worthwhile one, by the way, um, you know, I think about those poor folks in Miami that, uh, you know, the probably more than four people that have died, but the hundred that are missing, how much damage uh, has been done to their lives and how much we could help people that are just on our shores and not, not abroad. And then three, when we find ourselves judging someone unfairly, uh, come up with one thing that you or I can work on for ourselves. And it is transactional. If I'm judging, um, you know, uh, my wife for her cooking, for instance, then I'd better be step up and actually prepare uh, dinner more than one time a week. Okay. So did you guys see that? So if I'm going to judge my boss for not, uh, you know, taking care of us, then I got to make sure I'm not showing up to work late. So it is transactional that I'm asking you guys to do. Um, and so by my hope congregation is that these sort of practical, at least to me, uh, things you guys get to take home for the week. And especially as you guys go into a meeting in person uh, next week, uh, you know, if you're vaxxed and, or if you feel comfortable enough and you're willing to, you know, allow someone that, that may be struggling, you know, give them the side hug, right? You don't have to hug them directly, but you can sort of give them the, the shoulder rub, right, safely. Um, if, if the younger folks in the congregation are suffering, ask, you know, Sister Soli to take you out to Pearl Tea, you know, and have, uh, pick her brain on on life or, you know, have brother Jerry or brother Jimmy host a, a barbecue and invite church people over just to, we want to get good repetitions as being a congregation again. And so those are, those are well worthwhile things to, uh, to consider. 
So I know my, my coffee is wearing off at this point, um, but I will, uh, let's close this in prayer and then I, I will turn it back over to Sister Asolia, okay? Uh, Lord, thank you for this time. I, I know I have grown endlessly on on judging and yet I know I will violate this very tenet uh, possibly in the next day or so. And so I pray, Father, for your forgiveness. I pray that I would turn that attitude and that behavior into something that's edifying your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for a, a good surgery every day that that plank in my eye uh, would be kindly removed and that there'd be no uh, spiritual or physical nerve damage from, as a result. And I pray the same for uh, my brothers and sisters here. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your grace and mercy, and it comes in droves and and in huge amounts. Uh, so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.